Did you know that since 1993, 178 million children in 160 countries have received an Operation Christmas Child shoebox gift? As the coronavirus continues to spread and cause untold suffering, children around the world need hope and joy now as much as ever. This year, Samaritan's Purse anticipates reaching another 11 million children with shoebox gifts. Every child who receives an Operation Christmas Child shoebox hears the message of Jesus Christ. And each year, more than 4 million shoebox recipients participate in a follow-up discipleship program called The Greatest Journey. Visit SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC to learn how you can pack a shoebox gift and be part of this global effort of fulfilling the Great Commission of Jesus Christ. That's SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. Listeners, welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. Again, we're so glad to have you today. It's I feel like this one, we get to spend time together. It's always exciting. I enjoy our time and the topics and all the different friends that we get to speak with and hear from. And today is no less exciting. In fact, I'm, I am thrilled today to have back with the podcast our friend, way out in the Bay Area in California. Are you actually in San Francisco, Diane, or are you just in the area? I am in legit Silicon Valley. The Apple campus is five minutes away from my house. Legit. Ladies and gentlemen, our friend, Diane Doko Kim. Diane, welcome. It's thank good to you, have thank you. Thank you. It's great to be with you, Jack. And Diane is uh, specializes in special needs ministry, and this is something that's special and dear to you. Share with us just a little bit about why this is such an important thing to you and how the Lord led you to this, this type of ministry. Right. Well, it's near and dear to me because I myself am a special needs family. So I have experienced firsthand how difficult and kind of painful it can be for our families to try to go to church and to make community work. And so um, it's a very organic, um, personal mission that God's given me because it started off with, I have to make church work for my family. And then yeah. I realized that this is a widespread challenge for all churches. Yeah. And so how long have you, has this been an interest of yours? Well, see, uh, let's see. Our son was diagnosed in 2004. So I, I've been at this for about 12 years now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. And I'm so, I know it's been a difficult journey. You know, we all struggle with the challenges as we deal with our families and friends uh, who, you know, with special needs, with children and families that we want to partner with. And and uh, we never really know what sort of difficulty someone might be walking with. Right. And I think that alone is a really good tip is that we need to be aware that people are struggling and facing challenges and they're trying their best and getting to church and uh, and then for us to serve them well when they do get to church can be a real, real, real challenge. Mm. Yeah. So we find ourselves now in an environment where none of us are going to church. <laughs> You're <laughs> we in California. Are all, we are all special needs families. We are all <laughs> shut out from church. You're in California. You're not even allowed to go home. That's right. <laughs> after, no, so we, but the reality is we've all moved towards a sort of a virtual um, ministry uh, approach. We, we have a website that we have put up, uh, a web page called uh, 
lifeway.com slash kids ministry from anywhere, or you can go to lifeway.com slash KMFA, where we offer leaders uh, just tips and ideas for how you can do ministry. If you can't be together, you can do ministry through your mailbox, the inbox, or online. There's different ways that we need to connect. But doing those things uh, to serve special needs children and their families has a whole other level of, uh, of awareness that we need to have. So let's talk a bit today. We're going to talk about this idea of virtual disability ministry, uh, reaching special needs families in these uh, weird, crazy, unprecedented times that we're in. So tell us a little bit about what this looks like now uh, for, for our friends who are in this place. Well, it's ironic for the special needs community because when COVID hit, you know, for special needs families, our challenge has always been trying to get into church. But mm. once COVID hit, de facto, every family in the church is now a de facto special needs family. We're all stressed yes. out. We're all struggling and none of us can go to church. And so in a way, the tables have turned and the playing field was leveled. And so it's interesting and ironic because a lot of the special needs community and special needs ministry community had been, you know, pushing and challenging churches to do more, to reach outside the walls, to offer virtual services and online yeah. resources. And it just never came to be until a global pandemic hit. So um, I, in a way, feel that COVID and the pandemic, in a strange way, is one of the best things that happened to disability ministry because it really mm. pushed churches beyond what they were doing before. And churches realized how much more ministry opportunities they could have been doing all along. And now it's, you know, now everybody's a special needs family, so we're all benefiting. Yeah. Yeah, and it's been a challenge for leaders to have to figure out how to have a presence, whether it's through Zoom or Facebook Live or YouTube, all, all the different ways that we've found to communicate. But the very idea that we are taking ministry, you said, outside the walls. Right. I love that, that we've ministry has always been something that people have had to come to. And that can be difficult for some people on a regular basis or every single week or with the same uh, quality of preparation for the even the timing. It's not only at the place, it's between 8 and 9.30 on this particular day. Exactly. And so all of those things, as ministry has gone out from us and we found ways to, to – uh, to communicate our, our teaching, uh, it, that has had, as you say, kind of a hidden benefit. Mm -hmm. So how is it, what is it about this virtual ministry that makes it work? Um, I think, you know, as I mentioned, taking content and putting it online, because a lot of times our families, you know, because we've got, you know, immunocompromised kids or we've got, you know, you know, other things going on or sensory sensitivities. A lot of the times our, our, our families cannot get into the church building. So getting rid of the church building and walls and getting out of the box and doing ministry in out of the box way. So putting things online. So that became a bridge yeah. that not just benefited our families, but all of the families in the church. So that was one asset to see the church really moving forward into virtual space. Um, so that was one asset that we saw. I think another um, benefit from virtual ministry is that it really forced church leaders and staff to really shift the equipping into the hands of parents and into the home. Yes. Right. And, you know, a lot of us have always been saying, you know, we need to be partnering with the family, you know, the parents are the primary disciplers. 
But like, what does that really look like? And how can we really shift that? Well, COVID kind of pushed us in that direction. So you had ministry leaders doing drop-offs. You had ministry leaders doing care packages and equipping, you know, parents with stuff to do at home as they're watching the streamed messages. So it was awesome to see that as well. So it was great to see the church doing more. It was great to see the church equipping parents. It was great to see the church really doing ministry out of the box, that it wasn't just church is no longer an event that happened at 90 minutes on Sunday. Yeah. It was no longer at the building. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, with stream content and with, you know, small groups and virtual, you can meet at any time across different time zones. And in fact, your families weren't even bound to, let's be honest, watching your church service. Right. Um, So it just really broke down previous um, concrete and kind of, abstract barriers and just opened up a whole lot more opportunities. Yeah. And so this, as you said, something, this kind of came as a necessity. This was a, uh, we had to do this as the church because we were forced to by COVID. However, we need to be careful as the church to not abandon our virtual ministries as the virus dissipates eventually. Exactly. Exactly. So t- talk to me about that. Why is it important that we continue to do this? Thank you for saying that, Chuck, because <laughs> once these churches started rolling out all of these virtual ministries, our family saying, finally, oh, our prayers have been answered. And we would like to say, first of all, kudos for y'all to get that out there. Um, please don't end these resources once there's a vaccine or once all of this goes away. Yeah. Because for a lot of families, you know, and we're experiencing this, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't even have to be a disability. Um, families are going to take their time coming back. Families are in different places, yeah. different states are in different places in terms of yes. policy and protocols and such. So, um, this, we really hope and pray, is an addition, is an expansion of the church. So it doesn't just revert back to the old way. We, can, we can't go back to the way we used to be as that song was. Yeah. I, you know, I think for a lot of leaders coming right out of the gate with COVID, we at Lifeway Kids provided, you know, Lifeway Kids at home resources uh, really quickly to get things out. We have new supplements that go with all of our curriculum lines that are intended for parents to use um, to, to, to watch videos and have prayer prompts and discussion things. And so we've been intentional to create those for the church, but really it's the church's role to get that in the hands of the parents. You own the relationship as church leaders. And so we can make the resources and Diane, you can give the call, uh, but the leader ultimately has to do it. And I think it's for us is to, um, to, to raise the bar, to elevate the need uh, of what, just why this is so important. This is not a temporary um, short-term strategy to get us through until we can meet again. This is a change in paradigm for yes. how we do ministry to kids and families. Right. And um, I kind of like to boast in my people, my disability ministry people, because their whole paradigm all along has been reaching out to families who cannot come to church. So I always kind of joke that disability ministry leaders are ministry wizards in a muggles world. Uh, We have always had to reach beyond the walls of church. We have always had to think out of the box. Um, And so, you know, they were always doing you know, reaching content, sending content. We were doing the phone calls and the drop-offs before COVID hit. So um, I like to brag on my people. It's like, welcome. <laughs> welcome to doing church out of the box. Are, so as we talk about uh, particularly 
uh, special needs ministry uh, mm-hmm. from a virtual perspective or a, a disability ministry. How, what are, are there some ways that we might, uh, things we might need to be aware of in how we format our content, um, th- things we may need to be sensitive to or, uh, or, or things we may need to take into consideration that we might not otherwise know? So one thing that I saw a lot of children's ministries do, which the disability community ministry committee was also doing was in addition to streaming your main worship service to have children specific or kids specific, um, uh, you know, parallel programming. So you've got mom and dad watching on the main TV and you've got junior, you know, and Bessie sitting next to them with their laptops, with their earbuds on listening to the kids programming. And so I, I loved seeing disability ministries do that as well, you know, so they would have, you know, signed, <laughs> sign language services and things like that. Um, keep So that's great and it's wonderful and it's helpful. But I think for some folks, um, one thing to keep in mind is, for example, my child has autism. Mm-hmm. And so it's helpful and it's beneficial to have to, you know, targeted curriculum and content for him to access as well. But um, the reason that on-site church is helpful is because my child gets to be somewhere else so that parents can fully focus on the message. Yes. And typically developing kids, they'll probably have an easier time, you know, staying put, um, but it might be a little bit more challenging, especially uh, if a if an individual or a child has a developmental or cognitive disability. So for myself, I love that my son gets, um, you know, our special needs ministry, you know, pumps out parallel uh, worship right next to me, but it's still a lot, a, a bit of a maintenance. And um, I think one hack that I figured out along the way of the past seven months is not only was I tracking virtual approaches in church and in ministry, I'm tracking virtual approaches in the education sector because, you know, we're parents and, um, you know, everybody just jumped on Zoom and I think everybody just put the bodies on Zoom. So you had like 20, 40 squares of heads Yes, and that's challenging for even neurotypical all kinds adults. Of distractions, right? exactly. Okay, somebody's cat is in the picture, and right? Brother is in the picture, yeah. and everybody was new. Nobody knew how to mute or unmute or reframe somebody's their eating cereal, right? They're eating Captain Crunch, and their microphone right. is on. It was just you know different kinds of bananas, and you know we're all shifting. So you know, and so it's hard for adults to adjust to that format. It's challenging for kids, but. It can be even an additional layer of complexity for kids with disabilities, especially cognitive disabilities. Mm. So just a tip for that is go small. Um, What I saw working was instead of the large group Zooms, if a child in a special needs ministry has a one-on-one buddy, go one-on-one. Do the breakouts because then you can really have that connection. It's so much more effective than just being in a big group Zoom. So it's helpful to have that, but definitely take advantage of breakouts and even one-on-one because that's just far more effective. Great. What's your take on live interaction versus a pre-recorded message or lesson of some kind? <sighs> do you see benefits or, or downsides to either of those? Or do you feel like a mix of the two is really a good uh, way to go? So I'm not sure. The answer that's coming to my head is I'm not sure whether this has necessarily to do with disability ministry, but... Obviously, when you pre-record, you can have a higher level of quality because you start earlier in the week and, you know, you can test run and things like that. And you can, you know, troubleshoot glitches in advance. Um, so that's an asset. However, an interesting dynamic that we all saw across the country was that, uh, especially in the last seven months, you know, 2020 has been just a crazy kind of year. So 
from Monday to Tuesday, the news cycle is totally different. Yes. From Tuesday to Wednesday, something else cataclysmic has happened. So if you have pre-recorded content on a Monday and you roll that out on a weekend when something significant has happened and is part of the national narrative on a Friday and yet you miss that, you miss addressing that, that can kind of be perceived in a negative way. So I think there's drawbacks and benefits to both. So probably both. And it depends, you know, it's like some parts do worship recorded and some of the messages are recorded. So, and I think also it'll just depend on your congregation as well and the, and the people that you serve. One of the great things, you know, when, when I was a kid and now I'm going to start to show my age, I know you're, you're way younger, so you can't remember this, but you know, I remember like romper room where the, you know, the the person on camera would hold up the thing and be like, I see Tommy and I see Sally and I see Diane and I see Trey. And, and that was always so cool to me, yes. to, even though I was watching the screen to have the leader acknowledge me, even if it was never my name, cause it never was, but, but that simulating that intimacy, you know, because ministry is really about relationships. Relationship, yes. That I, I wonder if there's really something meaningful uh, psychologically, you know, or, or emotionally about having someone acknowledge you in that space. You're right. Absolutely, Chuck. I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that. It's about being seen, right? It's yeah. about being seen. And with pre recorded content, what's the difference between me watching pre recorded content from my church or that church, you know, five states away that has that awesome preacher that I'd always wanted to check out, but they're five states away? So, Pre-recorded content, if I know every week is going to be pre-recorded, I can watch pre-recorded content elsewhere. But really, the value of my local church is just like you said, those personal relationships, those individual seeing and being seen and being called out by name. Mm. Now, as we talk about uh, ministry from anywhere, it's not just virtual video driven. Um, As we seek to minister to families who are at home right now because of COVID, but even going forward, what are some ways that we can minister to families uh, who are at home over the long haul, uh, aside from Zoom or Facebook Live? What are some other meaningful ways we can minister to families who, who are um, not necessarily homebound, but who may tend to be more home-based? Right. Um, I love that question. Again, I'm going to brag on um, the disability ministry wizards who have been doing this, who have been going to hospitals because a significant number of our demographic of our folks do hospital visits and extended stays at hospitals a lot more than, you know, the typical family. So um, doing hospital visits, doing home visits. So, you know, just in the era of social distancing, I've seen ministry leaders and volunteers, if it's a child's birthday or a graduation, all of these things, which got missed over the summer, you know, they'll come and I, I nickname it Chow, Church on Wheels, C-H-O-W, Church on Wheels. <laughs> well, they'll get into a car, they'll get into a truck, they've got the masks on, whatever, and they'll bring posters, they'll do a parade, they'll do lawn chairs, they'll bring lawn chairs, and, you know, from six feet away or from a balcony to the porch, you know, they'll fellowship and just have one-on-one time um, because our kids really need to see, see yes. a live person. Um, and so that has been some tremendous, awesome things that I've seen to really bridge that gap. Yeah. Great idea. Great idea. And of course, always the handwritten note or the thing in the mailbox. Everybody loves to get mail. So that's always a fun thing to do for kids or mailing home an activity page or something, for instance. Um, I was going to ask another question. Um Completely flew my mind, Diana. I'm sorry. I had another really good question lined up. I'm going to have to go with a secondary question because it's all I've got. So as we talk about um, uh, special needs care for families, one of the one of the things that a lot of families need is respite care. Yeah. And so uh, for some, coming to church is an opportunity, as you said, for, to have someone trustworthy 
minister to their children so they can have a brief moment uh, to worship or to focus uh, and to be filled. And so in a season where we are driven by virtual uh, home-based ministry, one of the things that families may be longing for is that sort of help. What might we do to care for that concern from in the world as it is today? One of the things that I've seen is virtual respites. I mean, everything has to be virtual in the era of social distancing, right? So, um, you know, I've seen either a group, you know, volunteers get together and basically do craft activities or they'll come in with a speaker and the speaker could be absolutely anywhere in the planet. Mm. You know, one of the virtual respites I saw, Catwoman came from Pennsylvania. I'm (sighs) in California. We would have never been able to have Catwoman from Pennsylvania out here in California. But this era makes that all possible. So virtual respites where kids can be occupied. And so, you know, ministry leaders come and drop off the materials in advance to save families from having to secure crayons and glues and whatnot. Um, and so, so that our kids can just be even occupied and even entertained for an hour. So that's been helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I've seen is again, just even one-on-one respite. Um, one of the things that I started doing over the summer, just for my son, when we were doing distance learning at school and it was just, it was, it was just really bad. So I just basically went out and got virtual tutors. So I hired mm-hmm. one-on-one folks and they would be doing memory verses. And this, I, I showed a on sample screen, of that. One-on-one. Yeah. Yeah. One-on-one memory verses going back and forth. Um, and I, I shared a clip of that in, in my workshop. So virtual respites, virtual one-on-one budding, and virtual fellowship as much as you can. Mm. Great tips. Great tips. Diane, thank you so much. I appreciate your involvement in our Edge Conference every year, but this year especially, our virtual conference, by the way. So no matter where you are, go and look for that. All of that content, listeners, by the way, is available online at digitalpass.lifeway.com. You can go back if you missed the Etch event or if you were there and you missed Diane's amazing breakout content, you can go back and watch all of that and get access to that for a full year at digitalpass.lifeway.com. And, uh, uh, and, and then you can connect with Diane. You, you, your website is uh, diannedokokim.com. Is that so correct? Yes, that is. D-I-A-N-E-D-O-K-K-O-K-I-M.com. And so go check that out, listeners, if you'd like to connect with Diane or find more of her things. We oh. love you, friend. Thank you for being here. Oh, did you have something else to say? I had one more thing to say because... I'm sorry. We're out of time. No, go oh. <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> I'm sorry, now we're really out of time. No, no, go ahead. Let me tell you, social media and internet space is big for special needs families. These are families Mm. who usually can't get out of the house anyway. So these are families and parents who are super web savvy. So we have already been doing Facebook groups. We've already been Mm. doing blogs and, you know, private groups and such. So start a group where that can be your digital watering hole or digital um, gathering space. And so these are families who are already savvy in that. So really take advantage of that. And that's the love language of special needs families. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you again, Diane. We so appreciate you. Stay safe out there in California. And we look forward to seeing you again in person sometime soon. Listeners, I want to encourage you to don't just think of the virtual ministry you're doing as a temporary band-aid solution until we can get back to normal. We have a new normal. And in fact, with every 
obstacle, there's an opportunity. And so the opportunity that the Lord has given us to reach families uh, through virtual ministry is larger than you may think and can have an impact beyond what you might ever imagine. So stay committed to it. Look for ways that you can do it over the long haul to serve those who cannot come on a regular basis. So find out more information about how we can help you do that at lifeway.com slash kids ministry from anywhere or lifeway.com slash KMFA. Thank you for listening. We'll see you back again soon for another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. Yes.